1: This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. With us today on Catholic Review Radio is Sister Bernadette Reese, a member of the Daughters of St. Paul. Originally from Southern California, she currently works as a coordinating editor for Vatican News. One of her roles there includes providing radio and television commentaries for papal events. We spoke to her via Zoom from Rome. Welcome to the show, Sister Bernadette.
2: Thank you so much. It's great to be with you.
1: My wife and I watched Pope Francis's Christmas Mass from the Vatican on TV this year and heard a beautiful voice providing the English language commentary. I admit that I had missed the voice of my friend Cardinal John Foley who provided the voice of Christmas for so many years. Uh, But I later found out that that voice uh, this Christmas was you. Uh, How did you get that assignment?
2: Well, you know, a few years ago, it just so happened that uh, here in Italy, they were looking for someone to help Contextualize Pope Francis's trip to the United States. And they found me, I was working at our bookstore at the time, and I did it in Italian. And after that, Vatican Radio came looking and they said, look, if you can do it in Italian, you can do it in English. And you know, I love it. I love doing these commentaries. It's incredible.
1: It's a great way to I mean, because a lot of the people watching are may not be Catholic. Even if they're Catholic, they may not know the significance of the certain parts of the ritual. So it's a great way to contextualize that for people. How much preparation do you do for this?
2: Actually, um, just before coming on the program, I'm preparing for a commentary on Sunday. And it, it does depend on the type of commentary, but everything has to be researched. All of the liturgical texts need to be found. So I would estimate that probably for every one minute of uh, the programming that you view, I spend between one and three minutes preparing. So it, there's a lot of prep that goes into it. And it's not just finding the correct text. It's also trying to find texts that will convey and will accompany Pope Francis, and that takes some time and some thought, but also inspiration from the Holy Spirit, I have to admit.
1: I would bet I would imagine that you get a copy of the text of his homily in advance so that you can you know help with that and help contextualize that. He'll probably give it in Italian, but you you know provide the translation. Uh, but we know that he goes off text now and then. So that must drive you crazy a little bit.
2: We do get the texts of the homilies translated. Which is a huge, huge help. We don't get them often, that often in advance, to be honest with you, as as much as we would like. And that does sometimes tend to create some anxiety among us. Um, And during the lockdown, during Pope Francis's daily masses, we did not have texts. So, we were translating off the cuff. And so, every time after each mass, as translators would get together, and the common line was, What does that word mean? <laughs> because not all of us are extremely, extremely up to par with our Italian. The funniest one was when he used the word pipistrello in Italian, which means bat, and none of us knew what it was. And after we found out what it was, we couldn't believe it because it's the most common word being used at the beginning of the pandemic, because that's where we think the the virus came from. So it often provides us with, you know, things to talk about even afterwards, the the things that come up that, that just were not foreseen. And we as commentators need to be spontaneous enough to be able to just go with the flow. One of the times was when Pope Francis did not appear at the window of the Angelus for seven minutes and we had no clue why. And we had to keep going without giving any idea to people that there was anything wrong while we ourselves were panicking, thinking the worst. And the first words out of his mouth were, of course, I'm sorry I'm late, I was stuck in the elevator. (laughs) And we, along with everyone else, were completely relieved.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's great. How many translators are working on something like that at at any given time?
2: Sure, Um, for general uh, occasions, there are six languages that are going. So we have Italian, Spanish, French, German, English, and Portuguese. And then for larger events, We also have Arabic, sometimes Polish, and Chinese.
1: Wow. Wow. I know that at the, uh, usually on the the Irby at Orby uh, or those big things, he can give greetings in, you know, a couple of dozen languages or more. So, and I know that Vatican News itself, I want to talk to you a little bit about that, uh, your your main gig. There's at least a couple of dozen languages on Vatican News, news news.va, the web portal. What is the purpose of News.VA, and why is it so important to have that many languages available?
2: Well, uh, Vatican News originated in Vatican Radio, so we were founded years ago, and Vatican Radio contributed heavily, especially during the Cold War and uh, the communist occupation of, of many countries. So, for example, in some countries in the Eastern Bloc, the only way that people could participate in mass was via Vatican radio. In 2017, Vatican news became operative in December as one of the reforms of the uh, dicastery for communication to update how we diffuse the the news that we are producing. Currently we have 34 programs in 31 languages, if I'm not mistaken. The newest one actually just opened up again in Hebrew. Uh, We also produce a Latin uh, news journal, which is interesting news, uh, broadcast, radio broadcast, and uh, we we want to continue being able to offer from the Vatican official uh, news regarding the Pope and the Vatican and the Church. There are so many things that our Holy Father and the Vatican are interested in. For example, we just did a, an interview with Monsignor Gal- with Bishop Gallagher regarding the the treaty going in effect tomorrow on nuclear weapons. So we want the Vatican's voice to get out there. We also highlight the local bishop's voice. And in in some cases, for example, English is one of its, you know, an international language. So people in the Philippines can read about what's even happening in the church in the United States and people in India or the people in the United States can learn about what's going on in the church in India. So and we cover we tend to cover stories that also sometimes get lost. So that's another reason why we want to continue offering what we do in all of these different languages throughout the world.
1: What do you do as a contributing editor? I note that you've written lately about human trafficking, uh, about the, coro- the effect of the coronavirus pandemic on Africa. What's that like for you and, and what all does that entail?
2: Sure. I, my job is actually an um, in, in-between middle management type position, you might say. So our um, editorial direction, our editorial management Um, works through my office in order to execute the news that they are saying is coming down. And they're in direct touch with the Secretary of State. And so we coordinate uh, the news to all of these programs. We're there to ask questions. We're there to let them know where they can find things if they want. We're also there to help find stories, especially in our own languages. And I have followed specifically several themes, you might say. One is... um, The protection of minors. I worked with the press office in preparing things for the meeting on the protection of minors in February of 2019. Um, I follow women religious, especially because I'm I'm a woman religious myself, so I work directly with the International Union for Superiors General and other sisters to tell their story. And I also work specifically in areas like human trafficking. And when there are interviews that need to be done that need, tend to need more research than normal, I'll hop on board and help out with those. I do a lot of translating. So we, we're we providing right now um, a series of articles on people who are implementing Laudato Si in various areas. And those are all, they all originate in Italian. and. I do all the translating as well as translating for other things. So I do a variety of things. It's, it's, it doesn't seem at the end of the day that I've done anything sometimes. <laughs> However, it's I, from one thing to another, to another, to another. So it's fun.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a busy, busy day all the time. Well, after yeah. the break, we're going to talk some more with Sister Bernadette Reese, who is a member of the Daughters of St. Paul. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Review Radio. I may never have met you. We don't go way back. Maybe we wouldn't even be friends if we did. But when you wear a mask, you have my respect. Because your mask doesn't protect you. It protects me. I wear my mask to protect you. Mask up, America. Brought Brought to you by the Ad Council.
3: Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. The Archdiocese of Baltimore celebrated the annual Life is Beautiful Mass at the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, January 24. Archbishop William E. Lori led a smaller gathering than previous years, but the Mass was live-streamed on the Archdiocese's Facebook page and website. The Archdiocesan Respect Life Committee honored Helen M. Alvarez, with the Life is Beautiful Award, and John and Kathy Stefano with the Culture of Life Medal of Honor. Alvare is a law professor at George Mason University's Antonin Scalia Law School, an author and frequent media contributor on pro-life issues who has represented the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. The Stefanos are parishioners at St. Louis and Clarksville. They have been ambassadors for the Maryland Catholic Conference and organizers for both the National March for Life and the Maryland March for Life. They became involved in pro-life issues after Kathy Stefano volunteered for a political campaign which inspired them to work together to bring pro-life issues to legislators and promote those issues when bills related to them were discussed. For more on this story or to watch the live stream of the Mass, visit catholicreview.org. The chairman of the U.S. Bishop's Pro-Life Committee called it, quote, deeply disturbing and tragic, end quote, that any U.S. president would mark the January 22nd anniversary of the Roe decision that legalized abortion by praising it and committing to codifying it into law. The U.S. Supreme Court's 1973 Roe v. Wade ruling, quote, denies unborn children their most basic human and civil right, the right to life, under the euphemistic disguise of a health service said Archbishop Joseph F. Nauman of Kansas City, Kansas, chairman of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops Committee on Pro-Life Activities. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. From the virtual newsroom of the Catholic Review, I'm Kevin Parks.
1: With inviting surroundings, complete independence, and an unmatched quality of life, Mercy Ridge is the unparalleled choice for your retirement lifestyle. It's a way of living that promotes an active, healthier life. Located in Timonium, Maryland, Mercy Ridge Continuing Care Retirement Community features a beautifully landscaped 32-acre campus. The grounds, dining, and recreational amenities and residences are designed to provide a gracious lifestyle and a variety of exciting activities. Visit mercyridge.com.
2: Every child enters the world with limitless potential. Potential of mind, potential of body, potential of spirit. If there was only a place where that potential could be nurtured and challenged every day, where the limits of greatness, once unseen, could now be within reach, Catholic schools rise above.
0: This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio.
1: We're back on Catholic Review Radio talking with Sister Bernadette Rees, a member of the Daughters of St. Paul, who works in Rome as a coordinating editor for Vatican News. The web portal is at news.va. Sister Bernadette, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about your religious order, the Daughters of St. Paul. Your specific charism is in the media, uh, including publishing, digital media, and more. Uh, Has that charism changed as the media has changed, and what drew you to the order?
2: You know, the the actual Charisma mission has not changed, but the expression sure has. I When I that entered, we were still typing manuscripts and uh, printing on, you know, large printing presses. Uh, the PC hadn't even been developed yet. So I have seen a huge change and I can't even believe how much I can get done today with with the new means, you know. I think if our founder, James Silbarione were alive today, he would be ecstatic that he could reach the entire world with a podcast or, you know, on Facebook, let's say, you know, so um, it's so much easier for us to, to proclaim the message. Um, but at the same time, the, the challenge is how to, how is the how. And, you know, when I entered, I had to rely on the sisters to learn absolutely everything, you know. And now um, the the, the sisters who are entering now, they're teaching us, you know, they're, they've got the know-how regarding the technology a lot of times and, and marketing, but we have the message and that's how we're able to collaborate, you know, the younger generation with the older generation. And we've gotten into some new forms of media or uh, communications ministry, I should say. One of them is media literacy formation. And we do that out of our center in Culver City in Southern California. So we form uh, Christians in how we consume media and how we can bring the gospel into dialogue with the media that we are consuming. And this is its a, a something that we got into in the 1990s. And um, we're also much more um, out there, you may want to say, in terms of uh, forming people are handing on um, a spirituality for Catholic community, uh, communicators, you might say. And all of this, especially, is available to us now because of the new means which weren't available before.
1: Sure. Uh, we had a bishop at a Catholic press conference a few years ago talking about the fact that we need to use Twitter and Facebook and whatever communications portal was invented this morning, you know. So we really kind of need to be everywhere. And that that media literacy is really important these days because the media landscape is so fragmented. You know, it's, it's very much has, you know, people have biases right and left. There's varying degrees of quality, uh, whether they're factual or not. Um, and so I, I think teaching people about media literacy is a is a wonderful gift for the church and for, for you know, for those Catholics who are in communications especially. There's about a dozen Pauline books and media uh, stores in the US, including one in our listening area in uh, Alexandria, Virginia. Do you see these stores as centers for evangelization?
2: I do. And you know, I I am a book lover and but I have to I have to say I loved all the years I spent in our book centers. And you know why? It's because people come in off the street And it's a way for them to find Jesus in the marketplace. And many times the looks on their faces as they realized that there was a sister there, that they could actually talk to a sister. And I am, I'm not kidding you. The, the, the the people I look back on and the stories they entrusted to me, you know, almost confession, but also sister, I just found out something devastating and I came here to look for something that can help me, you know, where else would they be able to turn and then to be able to say, you know what, there's Jesus is also present here. You can go talk to him too, you know, to know that they could come to us for the word of God in print form, but also the word of God himself. Um, You know, our founder used to say, and I began to, I guess, experience this in the flesh that if the angels could perform our mission on earth, they would do it on their knees. And, you know, it, it really is true when, when we are entrusted with people's hearts, with their souls, and we know in that moment that our Lord is using us as an instrument. You know, and, that, and sometimes I even tell people, you know what, I'm just God's ear. Go ahead and talk. You don't feel like you're praying, you can't pray just talk and God's listening because I'm here. And it, it, you know, it's, it's one of the the times I, I love it. It I, I can't even put into words. It's incredible.
1: Yeah. It sounds to me like you're not only exercising the ministry of the word, but also a ministry of presence that exactly. for people, you know, uh, a lot of times just people don't have that opportunity these days to, uh, to walk in a store and find a religious sister there who's willing to, To just be present for them. So,
2: exactly.
1: God bless you for that. Let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, I've been to Rome more times than I can count at this point. It's probably more than two dozen. Never lived there, but I've been there a lot. Uh, I love it, but it can be confusing at times. So, what's it like to live and work in Rome that close to the Vatican?
2: I have to admit, it took a few years. Um, Italy is not as organized. As the United States, things take longer. And, you know, I had to adjust myself to that.
1: Yeah, I I used to say that I would go to to Rome and realize that there are not left turn lanes, there are left turn crowds. Just all the cars would just get in a bundle and then they all just go. And it's, (laughs) it's shocking. Exactly.
2: And, you know, getting my driver's license, oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know? And I had to go through driver's education, just like all the teenagers. And when I got in the car with, you know, this gentleman, he was trying to tell me to get to the lane before the pedestrian. And I'm like, everything in me is saying no. You know? <laughs> but no, it, it takes, it does take a lot to get used to. However, once you get used to it, and once you kind of switch gears, literally, It it is enjoyable. And, you know, I'm a type of person that can adapt. Um, I'm very adaptable. I love languages. So being able to learn another language fluently was a dream. And to be able to fulfill that dream was incredible. Being so close to the Vatican, you know, my goodness, I had a friend here in Rome whose father had COVID and she asked me to pray. I could go to St. Peter's and literally pray at the tomb of St. Peter. I mean, the opportunities are incredible. You know, when I walk the streets of Rome, I think how many saints have crossed over these, these cobblestones. My, my confirmation name is Agnes. And one of my favorite places is Piazza Navona, where she was martyred. You know, it it really is an incredible place. And it is still a crossroads. It's so cosmopolitan. And I'm, I'm very grateful to have the, the, the time to be able to live in a different culture. You learn so, so, so much. And when I came, I realized I was also going to experience what many, what many migrants experience. The only thing is, is that I had all the doors open to me. So in a sense, it wasn't exactly equal, but at the same time, it was a way for me to kind of learn what, what they go through. It's like when I first came, I knew nothing. I felt like a child And that emptying experience that I'm sure that even our Lord struggled with, you know, so it's a good, um, you know, it's a good experience, but it's not for everyone, I have to admit.
1: No, I can't imagine that. Just that immersion would be would be a difficult thing to adjust to, but I know that people have done it. I, we we have our friends at the Catholic News Service in Rome, and they've all adjusted very well to to be in there. So you work for Vatican News. You are that close to St. Peter's. Do you get to see the Pope a lot?
2: No, that uh, I do not get to see him a lot. Last year, I think, um, or no, the year before actually, uh, 2019, I probably was in three or four audiences where I was able to do the meet and greet. Mm-hmm. Um, Outside of that, um, no, I'm not, I'm not that, at that level. Right. So we do our, our commentaries from a booth down via conciliazione. Um, so, you know, we, we, I know him, like, you know, I can finish his sentences now because I've translated so much for him. But, and I, I, and I kid people that, you know, I'm the one who puts the English words in the Pope's mouth, you know? Right. But no, I, I don't meet him very often, No.
1: No, Well, and then that all important question for somebody living as you are in Rome, where's your favorite gelato spot?
2: Oh, my gosh. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's between here and Piazza Navona, Frigidarium. And the reason is because they put dark chocolate on... You know, one of those things that we love in America that you don't find very much here, but they dip it in dark chocolate. And that, that to me is, is incredible. But you know what, no matter what gelato store you go to, oh my gosh, it's amazing every time.
1: <laughs> they are all wonderful. One of my favorites is Old Bridge right near the, the Vatican Museums. And, uh, and it's, uh, that's always been a favorite. So yeah, it's one of the benefits I think of being in Rome is, is you get, <laughs> you get good, good gelato if nothing else.
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: Well, we thank you so much for being with us today. We've been talking with Sister Bernadette Reese about the ministry of the Daughters of St. Paul and about her work at Vatican News. You can find Vatican News on the web at news.va and you can select just about any language you want to read it, but go ahead and select English. That'll be a good way to, to read Sister Bernadette's stories. Thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Thank you. It was a pleasure.
1: This is Christopher Gunty of The Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Review Radio.
2: You're probably not getting much church news in your daily newspaper or on your local TV station. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. There are so many ways to stay in touch with The Catholic Review. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CRMEDIA to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Catholic Review Media will inspire, teach, inform, and engage you wherever your faith takes you. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org.
1: Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app.